0: Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grombacher and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, the strong and powerful Manzi Singhal. Manzi, are you ready to do this? Absolutely, George. Thanks for having me. Excellent. Let's do this. Manzi is the co-founder at Qplum, an organization working on the quantitative portfolio solution whose aim is to provide machine learning-fueled investment plans through a simple online and engaging experience. I'm excited to have you on. Mondi, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Sure, that sounds like a good start. Um,
1: So I... uh... We'll start with our personal life, as you said. So I graduated from UPenn, uh, uh, and uh, I was majoring in computer science. So I'm a computer science engineer by education. Um, That said, for the last 15 years, I've only worked in financial services. um, And when I graduated, I always wanted to be a trader. It just sounded so cool. (laughs) And you see all these movies, and you're like, oh, wow, this sounds like a real cool job to have. Nice. And... um, I ended up uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina, on a Wachovia Bank's trading floor, which is now Wells Fargo, I guess. Um, and that was my first job. And then I realized how different it is in real life versus right. all that we see in movies. It's, it's a very, very uh, humbling experience, uh, and uh, very demanding, uh, of course. So I, I spent, uh, you know, most of my career. Uh, trading at many banks, uh, Wachovia, and then Merrill Lynch, Bank of America. Uh, my last job, I was a portfolio manager at and Howard. It's a, a macro discretionary hedge fund. And um, I started Qplum in 2015 uh, with my husband, uh, Gaurav, who uh, is also a computer science graduate from UPenn. That's where we met. And his journey was more into high-frequency trading, but Around 2015, we reached a point where we were like, uh, "There's a lot of amazing technology out there, and very few people have access." So, uh, it, it's a great opportunity, and we sh- we should, you know, try to make the best of it. So that that's how Qplum started. Um,
0: Excellent. So, how how do you how do you decide what the starting point of that is? You're, you're, you're aware of all this amazing tech that's out there. It's not in people's hands. That's got to be a lot to get your arms around. So what, what, what was really the first step? What was kind of the jumping off point?
1: Yeah, that was kind of the hardest thing for us because we were from financial services. So we just weren't really fully aware of how unaware the rest of us are. <laughs> And, uh, it, it was an eye-opening experience for Garvin and myself. So we headquartered in Jersey city, which is just across the river from New York. Um, and you know, when we started, um, talking directly to clients and, um, telling them about this technology, um, you know, three things that struck us, you know, first, there is just so much information out there
0: right.
1: and, um, people just don't know what to follow and what not to follow. Um. Second, there is so little useful information out there yeah. because most of the big banks and most of the profitable groups, uh, even in hedge fund world, um, you know, if they have found something unlike technology or unlike other fields, they don't share. It's very it's very secretive. People don't collaborate as much in financial services as they do in other places. Um, and the third thing is, like, we all are good at some things, but not the same thing, right? right. So you might have a great doctor or a good lawyer and their finances might just not be um, handled as properly because they just didn't get any good financial advice. Um, And people just feel a little, you know, hesitant to to ask uh, about that. Uh, And they feel like, okay, anytime I need good advice, I'll just have to pay so much for it. Um, So they resort to these free resources, but a lot of times you know, free information is good up to a certain point, and then you have to kind of start learning a little bit more uh, beyond that, you know, educational uh, stuff. Um, and that's where technology comes in. Um, so, so that was kind of our first main challenge, to make sure that we are able to educate people on how this technology can be used. Um, and, um, you know, it's just like your iPhone. You don't know exactly how an iPhone works, but you trust it. Because, uh, or any other smartphone, I have no sure. <laughs> bias towards Apple right. here. But, um, so that, that's kind of, kind of what, what was our starting point. We want to make sure it's transparent. Uh, people can at least view it like a glass box and not view it as a black box. Hmm. Um, and then work on delivering it, obviously, um, you know, in their investment
0: portfolios. Got it. Well, I think that people appreciate transparency I think that we could all use a little more simplicity and, uh, mm. and and we're all looking for engagement so so what exactly what exactly are you doing sure so keeplum um, is a
1: financial advisory firm uh, we have three product lines so we have the wealth product line where we uh, provide financial advice to uh, to individuals and families um, and here we service um, you know, uh, young parents, we service fresh college graduates, we have uh, people who have retired. So it's it's really independent of age or demographic as such. Um, so Wealth Product Line is something we launched in 2016. It took us a year and a half to build this product. And we are integrated with multiple brokers. We are an independent advisor. We are not affiliated with a broker. So again, we try to align our interests with the client as much as possible. Uh, then we have a second product line, Alpha, which was launched last year, and this is more for institutional clients um, like foundations, uh, pension plans, endowments, um, and um, some RIEs also use our services. Um, and here, um, these are somewhat more um, sophisticated products, uh, more high-risk products that are not necessarily suitable uh, for um, you know an individual and a family directly. Um, So these are some uh, alpha-based products. And then third, we have a solutions product line, which was launched earlier this year. And here we are developing customized solutions uh, for some clients. And uh, right now in solutions, uh, a lot of times what we end up doing is we do a lot of collaborative research uh, with uh, bigger firms who are, kind of as lost as anybody, like you and me almost, like sure. in terms of understanding how AI can actually be applied. Um, and as we all know, the buzzwords are there, but then actual application is missing in, in the industry and people don't necessarily collaborate as much. So we're trying to break that barrier and um, collaborating with some um, other uh, allocators and investors to, uh, again, trying to be transparent and to showcase, you know, this is really how AI works. So we go to the point where we write code with them, share our our code and our interface with them um, in an effort to be transparent. So we have three product lines, Wealth, Alpha, and Solutions.
0: Very cool. So perhaps we can do another show down the road to cover uh, everything that you're working on. But (laughs) just to to do a bit of a deeper dive, uh, perhaps we can talk about the the, uh, the, the wealth product line and how you sure. are using the artificial intelligence, uh, the machine learning in that structure.
1: Yeah, sure. So, I mean, we use AI in different in different parts of the process. Um, I'll just explain with an example, uh, which would probably make most sense. Um, so the first thing I would say is while AI is kind of the core of the system, the system is built by people. So there is an right. incredible amount of human oversight and um, a lot of people behind the system, um, and the main part where uh, AI is used is in making decisions on where your money should be invested. Um, so as I mentioned, you know we have very young clients and we have um, you know some older clients who are almost about to retire or have already retired, and. If you look at a very conventional glide path um, type suggestion, you would be told, hey, if you're younger, you should work on accumulating your wealth because as you get older, you will focus on capital preservation and you will just be, you know, um, taking out, just work on distribution of your wealth. And so that's why when you're younger, you need higher equity allocation. Right. And as you get older, you need higher bond allocation. That's Great. But we are in a scenario where rates are at all-time lows. Um, equities are still very, very high. And I see so many clients who are just so hesitant to follow this advice as is. Right. Um, and,
0: and,
1: and rightly so, right? I mean, I, I would be very hesitant if I'm retiring and you're asking me to put all of my money um, in fixed income right now. And this is where AI and technology can help. Um, so we take the strategic allocation that – they think they should have, and overlay it with tactical um, allocation based on the market factors, based on their personal uh, preferences. Um, you know, not, not every person who's retiring needs kind of the same kind of amount of distribution. Um, so we incorporate their personal preferences, their um, risk uh, tolerance, and market conditions um, to kind of change their asset allocation over time. And this is where the AI is used.
0: Um. Nice. Okay. And I think you hit on something that's really, really important. That even though there are two really traditional stages of accumulation and then distribution and there are, I guess, agreed upon or pretty common asset allocations or strategies based on those two scenarios, that doesn't mean that it's going to be the right solution at the right time or for, for the individual person. So... Uh, I wanted to touch on a little bit about how you help folks manage expectations and how important that is.
1: Hugely. So um, all our portfolios
0: um, come with risk management, and that's
1: kind of the core um, of what we do on top of all the AI and uh, machine learning that is built into the system. Um, So the moment I say, you know, we use AI and um, there is machine learning involved, uh, we get many clients who are like, oh, so that means this the system will just never lose money. I'm like, no. <laughs> if, if somebody tells you that... I haven't figured that then, out yet. Yeah, then um, they're just not being truthful to you. Um, the way technology can help you is can bring down costs, can make things more efficient, um, and he, in this case, make investing more efficient uh, in a cost-effective manner, and introduce transparency. Because you know, once you have a systematic way of approaching investing then it's not necessarily predictable, but it is still a lot more transparent than a discretionary decision-making process would be. Um, You and I don't know know, what our portfolio manager might decide, but if it's a system which is based on some data-driven decision-making process, then there is a certain amount of comfort on, you know, you could run different scenario analysis and see how it would react under different scenarios. Now, risk management is where uh, we do the job of setting expectations. Nobody knows whether markets will go up or down tomorrow. However, um, targeting risk is much easier than targeting returns. You can hover around a target risk. um, And that's what we aim for when we are managing expectations. Do you want to hover around a 3% risk, a 6% risk, a 10% risk? And that's kind of a, when I say percentage risk, I mean like a, Standard deviation and average fluctuation over the year that you are comfortable with, and you know, depending on different goals, maybe you want to distribute your savings over these different um, risk profiles, which is fine. Um, but it is important to remember that you know, investing is for long term. Uh, you have risk management in place uh, for uh, prolonged downside uh, to kind of you know defend yourself against any prolonged downside, um, and. Uh, look at investing always in terms of a risk, uh, in, and not necessarily just saying, "Okay, I just want to make the most amount of money possible,"
0: uh, which no AI program can do. Sure, at least not yet. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> so, um, every every stage of our financial lives, and going back to the whole accumulation distribution piece, I think is 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 extremely important. Um, mm-hmm. I think that. In my mind, it's it's almost easier during the accumulation phase because we're just putting money in, we're obviously trying to reduce fees and, and get a, a good return, but theoretically speaking, we have a longer time horizon versus when right. we're talking about the distribution piece, now we're not really putting money in anymore, now we're taking money out and Think that the stakes are higher because that we don't necessarily have time to to make errors, um, so on and so forth. That's just my perspective of it. Um, and, and and you mentioned that right now interest rates are so low, so maybe the traditional ways are not really what is going to be the optimal solution for a client who's in distribution right now. Can you give an example or or just shed a little bit more light on how? your technology helps during that uh, dis- distribution phase?
1: Yeah, and this is kind of, you know, uh, one of our top 10 queries that we get from clients. Very much, uh, you know, sharing the same concerns that you uh, just outlined, George, that, um, you know, they're, they're about to be re- kind of retired or they're already retired and they're living off their investment income. And uh, there are three things that we plan for them. So first thing we would always do is set up auto-withdrawals. Just like when you're younger, you set up auto-deposits or some kind of a saving plan. Uh, We set up auto-withdrawals so that they're not compromising on their quality of life and the cash flow is predictable. Nice. And they're not just diluting their assets without thinking, okay, I'll just sell today because I need the money. (laughs) Um, So we're able to uh, systematically plan their cash flow needs. And, and that's the first way. It's tax efficient also for them and done systematically. So, you know, opposite of dollar cost averaging right. in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's the simplest thing uh, we start with. Um, the other thing is the actual asset allocation decision. Um, you know, you, the reason uh, why a lot of clients, and I'm sure other people share this concern, are not comfortable with a higher bond allocation is, you know, we all have limited lifespans. So if the bubble bursts and it doesn't recover during that limited amount of time, then they have a lot more to lose than a younger
0: right.
1: person who still has, you know, a quite a bit of time to recover from that. So the way we approach this is um, via something we call dynamic asset allocation. That means... Um, yes age is one of the input factors but market conditions are another input factor to your portfolio so if you know that so let's say for example there's a 65 year old and they're just about to retire and they're planning their retirement savings how to use start using them what we would say is let's figure out what percentage risk should we put your various assets in and Let's, let's say we agree on a 6% risk profile. That means if markets become more risky, and when I say markets, it could be bonds or it could be stocks. It doesn't matter. If markets become more risky, we will take less risk. If markets become less risky, we will take more risk, but we'll hover around that constant risk. So this kind of risk targeting, along with dynamic asset allocation, um, gives the flexibility to their portfolio. That means it could be 60-40 one day, or it could be 70-30 the other day in stocks versus bonds. Uh, it's not tied um, just purely as a function of age. And it, in practice, it does not change that fast, but I'm just giving a theoretical example where you know, it could change uh, to a point where it could have a lot more equity allocation if that is what is needed to achieve the 6% risk or could have a lot more bond allocation if you don't need to take that risk for uh, achieving the 6% risk profile. So that's how we try to accomplish it. Uh, first is auto-withdrawals. Second is dynamic um, asset allocation. And third, as I mentioned, risk management, which is very important, some kind of a capital preservation plan in case there is, you know, prolonged downturn in the markets.
0: Got it. Nice. Thank you. Just uh, just because you have a background in trading um, and actually being a, a trader, I, I was just thinking and curious I think that the way that I think about how artificial intelligence interacts with aspects of our culture today, I remember several years ago, well now it's been many years, uh, um, analytics coming into sports. And so now analytics are very, very, very prevalent in sports and I think it's changed the way that a lot of organizations and managers approach the various games. And yep. I, I view it very similarly to how artificial intelligence is actually impacting professional money management and trading. Yep. Do you think that uh, we're just going to see the number of traders continue to dwindle? And is that still a viable career path in the future?
1: Uh, we have been following this a lot. And, you know, being in financial services, you're right, we get a lot of resumes uh, from different candidates. Um and nobody wants traders. <laughs> I'll just say it like that because mm-hmm. that's the truth. Yeah. Um, conventional trading jobs are just dropping. Um, you know, they are like, I based on, on the stats I checked last, they're like one-sixth of what they were like three years ago. Wow. Um, and really the role of a trader has changed. So, like, if you close your eyes and think of what a trader or what a hedge fund should look like, you would imagine, you know, a trader, a portfolio manager, lots of Bloomberg screens, Excel sheets, huge monitors, a little bit of yelling (laughs) um, here and there. And um, that's not how a modern uh, asset management firm is anymore. Um, All the studies are being run in the cloud. Uh, Data scientists and quants have taken over um, all that um, trading that used to happen over voice. Now it's all electronic. And uh, there is a huge cost to not using that same infrastructure that everybody else is using. Because that means you're going to get data slower than everybody else. Um, That means everybody else is using a supercomputer while you are still crunching numbers on an Excel sheet. Um, So you are at a disadvantage if you haven't kept up with the systems. Um, And while, you know, the whole scenario will still take maybe more than a decade um, to pan out, um, even, you know, first it started eating into the back office and the mid-office jobs, and it's slowly coming to the trading floor. Obviously, there's a lot of uh, pushback um, in some bigger organizations. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, uh, it's definitely going to be more and more systematic and more and more programs that do the trading for you instead of individuals doing point and click. Um, To to just add to that, back in 2005, um, I still remember when high-frequency trading was not even a name that people recognized. Mm -hmm. And um, Gaurav, uh, who's our CIO, uh, used to write programs that trade. There was no cloud technology at that time. Um, And he would tell his friends, I write programs that trade. And most of his friends would say, oh, okay, so you write programs for traders, right? And he would say, no, 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 the program trades. There is no trader. (laughs) It was just such an unbelievable, like, people just didn't believe him. They were like, what do you mean there is no trader? Um, And that is just having these spillover effects. Um, Since now high-frequency trading has matured, and there's a lot of innovation that it has uh, resulted in, which people haven't really been as sharing about. Um, it's, it's spilling over slowly, and slowly you're seeing more and more things getting automated and getting faster. So people just can't keep up. There's so much data to consume.
0: That is the truth. That, that is the truth. Well, it should be very, very interesting to see how it all how it all works out in the future. Right. Well, Monzi Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? So
1: I have two. Actually, Uh, one is a more practical one, which is, um, you know, if you are young and you have to make some decision about your finances, please, please don't forget to look into your retirement savings. Um, I come across so many young folks who just sideline their retirement savings and they're like, oh, I'll think about it. You know, just the fact that you start early just can take you so much farther. Um, trust me, you will thank me for this if you if you follow it. But even if you start five years late, um, you know it can have a huge impact. Uh, so if you have a 401k plan, an IRA plan, a Roth IRA plan, please, please look into your retirement savings. Um, the second one, um, I just wanted to kind of again mention it to some of the younger folks that um, investing is not social media. Please don't go back to your account and check it so many times in the day. Um, investing is long-term. Um, a lot of people with the apps and smartphones and uh, it being so accessible uh, feel like, oh, okay, because I have an investing account, I should just keep checking it once a day, twice a day. Nothing is going to happen so fast. This is for years. So th- those are the kind of two things I just want to stress. And that's mostly for the younger younger people
0: listening. Well, I think that those are both excellent. I think they definitely get a Come on. Come on. So, Thank you. Manzi, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you and Qplum?
1: So you can always uh, email me at Mansi M-A-N-S-I, at Qplum, co. Um You can also visit us on our website, co, And we are on all social media channels like Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram. So very easy to find
0: all over the internet. I love it. Well, Savage Nation, if, I, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Monzi your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to qplum.co and find them on all social media. And I will list all those in the notes of the show. Thank you again, Monzi.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together.